This morning, um, I'm going to be looking uh, through the book of Ephesians. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd really encourage you to, to grab them. Um, we, we put a little pause on our, our series of Mark. Uh, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark for the last year or so, and I think it's, it's a good time in summer just to take a break and to really get a sense of what God wants to say to this community uh, through, um, through, through some of us in, in, in the leadership team. And, and this morning, I want us to look at the book of Ephesians. Uh, when I prepared for the sermon this week, um, it's a wonderful thing, actually, being able to prepare for a sermon. I'm not sure, I don't know, I, I remember I had nightmares as a kid, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Or the most embarrassing moment is when you stand up in front of a crowd of people trying to speak in front of them. Uh, and it is kind of a scary thought, but at the same time, in preparing, one of the things that enables you to do is to think about the people that, that you're going to be speaking to. Uh, and this week, I've had the, the joy of being able to just to think of some of you and uh, look through kind of our membership list and, and just think about, you know, different people in our community, those who've been here a long time, those of you who've joined us more recently, uh, but just to appreciate uh, what it means to be part of a community, how precious it is when God draws together uh, people, uh, because, not because of our ethnicity, not because of our cultural preferences or because we're all alike, but because of what Christ has done for us. It's a really, really amazing thing and a precious thing. And I want you just to, just as a part of today's exercise, just acknowledge that. Um, if you're in this community, in this hall right now, I just want you to look around. Some of you may be at the front, so you maybe have to look backwards. But I just want you to look around. And I want you just to, to join me in, as you just look at these people around you, these wonderful faces behind their blue masks. Uh, you can't see their smiles but you can tell by their eyes, they're smiling. Um, just look at them, and I want you just to hear these words that Paul writes in Ephesians to those whom he loves in this church. You were once dead in your trespasses and sin. Look at each other, look at each other. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins. In the way you once walked, following the course of this world. Just skipping forward a few verses. This is Ephesians 2, verse 4. It says this, still look at each other, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love that he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. And this is not of our doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that anyone may boast. And I was preparing this week, and I read those verses. I was thinking about some of you and uh, those of us who, you know, have, have been in this community for a while. I just thought, I guess I, I, I get a glimpse of what it's like to be, to be like Paul a little, a little bit, because Paul was a leader in the church. He's somebody who, who walked with these Ephesians. Um, he, he wrote to them. It wasn't like telling them because they had a, there was a particular issue that was going on in their church. But he wrote the book of Ephesians um, almost at the end of his life, reflecting on these people, these brothers and sisters in Christ, and just wanted to express uh, and unveil to them the book of Ephesians, the immensity of what Jesus Christ had done for them. And I hope when you look at each other in this community, and when you look at each other's faces, and you can look at them and say, you have been rescued into life. You have been saved by grace. And I want us to feel that joy for each other. 
I really do want to feel, help us to feel that joy. When you come on a Sunday morning, or whether you're at home on the live stream and you're able to see, you know, somebody posting something on, on the Wednesday for, you know, the, the, the devotion, daily devotions, and you see that person expressing something of their faith, I want you to feel, you should feel, hopefully feel something of, of love and tenderness towards them because they have been saved by grace. They are a miracle that God has rescued them, rescued them, put them into new life. And this morning, I want us to just ponder about what it means to, to live this life together. Um, so often we know a lot of things about Christ, don't we? We know that he saved us. We, we know that Jesus uh, was sent from the Father and he died on the cross. And what that requires of us, as Paul says, is to live a life worthy of that calling, to live a life worthy. So I've titled this, this morning's um, sermon, The Walk. Because knowing stuff about the Christian walk and knowing stuff about it isn't the same as walking it. One of the things that we want to do is, is not just be people who, who know things, but actually choose out of love for God to walk out these things in reality. So today I'm going to be looking through um, a few verses from the, the book of Ephesians, mainly from chapter 4 and 5. But the heart of it really is that I want to encourage you this morning that despite whatever the challenges happen in the next six months, or even the next week, or even next month, whatever the timeframes are we're working to at the moment, that God has a calling to walk in a way that pleases him. Yeah? And I want us to feel that joy for each other, that when we see each other walking in that way, it should bring us such joy, it should bring us such um, uh, thankfulness towards God, because that's what Paul expressed in the book of Ephesians as well. So I've only got really four simple points, really that... As, as, as Paul instructs us in this passage, he, in, this, in this chapter, in verses chapter 4 and 5, he calls us to walk in life. He calls us to walk in love. He calls us to walk in light. And he calls us to walk in the Spirit. And I'm just going to go through some of those, uh, those, those thoughts, really, as we read through parts of Ephesians. So we're starting, really, in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 17. Um, and it says this in Ephesians 4:17. It says, "Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You must no longer walk in that way." And skipping again, it's quite a long uh, passage, but I'm just going to skip a few verses. And it says this: "Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds." And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So the first way in which Paul encourages us to walk is to walk in new life. Is to walk in a life that is being given to us in Christ. And he does that by referencing what it was like before. Um, it gives us a, a, a picture of what life was like before Christ came into our lives. Maybe you can think about that time. You can think about what it was like uh, when we didn't know who Jesus was, was and, and Paul expresses it in these ways. It's, he says that we were alienated from the life of God. As in, we were totally like, departed from it. We were never even mindful of him. We didn't even consider him. But God, out of his mercy, rescues us out of that life. Um, and if we're really honest, I think we all know that. Don't we? we all know that Christ has rescued us into new life. But if you're like me, um, we often find ourselves walking in the old life. We often find ourselves walking in 
or aren't helpful to our, to our, to our spiritual lives or respond in ways to our, to our family or loved ones. I know that lockdown has been a time where I'd say has intensified certain behavioral patterns uh, or, or certain things in our lives. Maybe um, if there's a sense of impatience, we, we find it impatience with our family or we find it difficult. Uh, and, you know, when we, when we talk about new life, we have to recognize that we do have to fight for this new life. We do have to choose to walk and rise up in the morning to walk not in our flesh, in our natural desires, but to walk in a new way which God has given us. And, and Paul puts it this way. He says, put off your old self. Take it off. Leave it to the side. And choose to put on what God has given you, created after the likeness of God. It is a choice. It is something that we have to choose in the morning to say, I'm choosing this morning not to live in my old natural desires, my old, my old patterns, but we choose to live the life that God has given. And I think it really has to do with a lot of things about our passions, what we want for ourselves. And um, I've been reading a book called God by uh, an author called Larry Crabb, and it's been really helpful to examine the underlying motives of why we do certain things and why we respond in certain ways. And he says this about, about um, the conflict between our old and new life. He says this, the core problem is not that we are too passionate about bad things, whatever those, those bad things are that you feel there in your life. The core problem is not that we are too passionate about bad things, but that we are not passionate enough about good things. Just let those th- th- thoughts just dwell in your minds a little bit. When we talk about living a new life, we're talking about rising up, not, not trying to just necessarily bash down our old behavior patterns, but we're talking about being raised up towards higher, greater things. And so think that sin is more attractive than holiness, or, you know, thinking about my own needs and my needs becomes more important than knowing who God is and choosing to know him. But really the application is that we have to choose to, to live after greater things. We have to lift our eyes to what God is calling us, a higher purpose, a higher passion, which he has given us, and to feed those things rather than feeding our old desires. Just some examples that, you know, the good news is that we actually get to choose that way of life. We get to choose. What Christ has done for us is that he has freed us from sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves now to righteousness, which means that we get to choose to serve righteousness. We get to serve those things and put to death those old ways and old patterns. You are a new creation in Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are now a slave of righteousness. And that means this. It means that holiness should become more attractive than sin. Knowing God should become more important than our self-interests. There should be no cost that seems so great to pay for the privilege of intimacy with Christ. Though pain should come in my life, I will still choose to trust and find God in those situations. That is what it means to live a new life. We have a new power, a new position, a new place that we can live from. That's my first encouragement from you. Choose to live a new life this week. If we move on a little bit to Ephesians 5 verse 1. Um, Paul calls us to live in a new love, to walk in love. And it says these verses here, be imitators of God as beloved children. 
and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. To walk in love, what does that mean? This week, um, I'm not sure if you caught it, but on Wednesday, Clive uploaded a, a um, so those of you who caught it, he, he was, I'm so thankful it came at a really right time for me, Clive, just to acknowledge that God loves you. We say it all the time, but really sometimes we, we, we see it as, as you know, platitudes or something. It's words that wash over us. But when you really take time to ponder what the love of God is, what it means for us, the implications of it, the depth of it, it, it really starts making impact in how we are choosing to love as well. It says in the verse here that be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ has loved you. As Christ has loved you. So the impact of Christ's love should also impact how we are to walk in love. And uh, to help us just work through that a little bit, um, John Piper really helpfully gives us kind of four ways in which we can ponder depths of God's love. Um, To ponder depths of love, maybe we can think about these things during the week in our own devotions. Um, But the depth of love is defined, or it really is defined by what it costs. That's the first point he makes. What does it cost God to love us? And um, Clive so, so wonderfully put that he chose not even to withhold his own son. As a father, he was expressed, uh, Clive was saying that as a father, you choose to protect your children from anything that could harm them. But instead, the father chose, and Jesus chose to give up his life. When he was hanging on the cross, he chose not to reach down and to save his son, his very own son, from pain and suffering. But he chose to give him up as an offering, you and I. So the depths of God's love, God's love is defined, firstly, by what it costs, which is the risen, the precious, undeserving, sacrificial lamb of God slain for us. John Papi then goes on to say that depth of love is defined by how little we deserve it. It's defined by how little we as benefactories of God's love, of his sacrifice, we actually deserve it. Sin. Alienated from God. We chose to walk away from him. Yet Christ, because of his great mercy, enters into our world, gives the best of what he could give us, which is and we, the undeserved, receive righteousness and life and hope. Thirdly, the depth of love is defined by the greatness of what we receive. The depth of love is defined by the For those of us who are, were doing our GCSEs or expecting to do our GCSEs this year, um, I'm not sure whether or not the lockdown has been a helping hand to you, but uh, if someone was there to give you help you with your exams and you know you you got you know the grades you wanted we would feel we express our gratitude for them wouldn't we we express our gratitude to our teachers and to our parents who have helped us if you were to get a new job and you know in this in this place you know really helped you you know mentored you or gave you the right connections you would be thankful to them wouldn't you if god were to reach down and rescue you out of the pit of sin that you are in, to raise you to new life, to give you everlasting life, to give you his very spirit's presence in you, to give you a hope and a future. That is the greatness of what we have received. 
And the depth of God's love is defined somewhat by that, by his gift of salvation towards us. And fourthly, the depth is defined by the freedom which is given. If any of you have ever kind of had a car accident or, you know, had a burst water main at home, hopefully maybe you had insurance to kind of cover that cost. Um, I doubt, though, you would kind of write to your insurance company once the money comes in and, you know, express your heartfelt gratitude and, you know, send them food and um, parcels of gratitude to your insurance broker. It's not the kind of thing you do, is it? Because it's expected that an insurance company should pay out for, you know, damage or, or accidents and things like that. That's what you expect from them. But what God does instead is in freedom what we didn't deserve. God gave us himself. He freely gave us, not withholding anything, but gave us the rights to become children of God. So the depth of love by its cost, depth of love by how little we deserve, depth of love by the greatness we have received, and the depth of love by the freedom which has been given to us. What does this mean for us then? Once we ponder the thoughts of what God's love is, it should impact how we are to walk. It should show us that there is a way to live that is possible in kindness, in tenderheartedness, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven each one of us. So my encouragement, friends, is to live and walk in love. To walk in light. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 8 it simply says this, once you were darkness, now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So we're called to walk in life, we're called to walk in life, now called in light. And uh, for us, when we think about light, we always think, my mind goes to was 1 John 1, where it says that God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And when we think about what God has called us to, he's called us to a totally new nature. We were once dark in darkness, now placed in light. And when we think about the idea of light in, in darkness, it illuminates the things around us. We get to see with a new set of eyes almost. Um, think about it like maybe it's like, Something like before you were in darkness in a dark room and suddenly you put these goggles on and suddenly you see things clearer. You see with a new set of eyes the things of the ways of this world. And, and the way in which Paul expresses that new vision or that new sight is it says that now that we're illuminated, we are to try and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And that's the new vision in which we're supposed to see life now. We're supposed to see it as if uh, what in a situation would it be like if I were to please God in this situation? What if I was driving down the, the A1M and someone cuts me up uh, across the road? How am I supposed to learn what is pleasing to the Lord in this situation? To chase after him and to, maybe you should do that to stop him causing accidents. But um, my, my point is that we now don't just through uh, through our, just our reactions. We see things now in a response way to what God has done for us. We get to discern what is pleasing to the Lord in every single situation that we, we choose to step into. And I'm wondering if that is your, your general mindset at the moment. I know during lockdown for me, uh, a lot of things were reactive. 
Uh, and the way in which I was working and the way in which I was responding to my family was, was, was you know, not from a place where it was, God, what should I do in this situation? What would be pleasing to you right now? I'm not sure what that looks like for you. Um, when I was a teenager, we had those bands, uh, WWJD, Wawajada, as we would say in, in our youth group. Um, and it, was, and it, it simply things. It said, what would Jesus do? And it was a reminder in this situation, which I'm in, this challenging time, what would Jesus do? Is my mind set on this thing? And that requires us wisdom, doesn't it? It requires us to seek wisdom. What would Jesus do in this situation? Um, the Bible doesn't define everything that we should do. It doesn't say that you should go on holiday to Spain or not. It doesn't say whether or not you should wear a mask when the coronavirus hits. It doesn't say those things. But what the Bible does give us is principles. It gives us a heart attitude. It gives us a way in which we can choose to discern what is best in the situation. So if you're struggling with a mask, you know, I've been struggling with a mask as well. But what has been loving has been to protect those around me. And therefore I choose that this is what would please the Lord in a situation. If I'm finding a time and challenging at work and other people are what words of encouragement can I bring to my, my team? What would Jesus do in that situation? So may that be our same attitude, the way in which we walk. Would it be, what, Lord, pleases you today? What is right, good, and true for my everyday life? And lastly, I want to end with, with uh, walking in the Spirit. It actually doesn't say that in Ephesians but um, I think it is right to say it. It actually says in, verse, uh, in chapter 5, verse 18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. And um, let me quickly read the verse to you. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or destructive living. Um, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And the image I had when I read this verse was, um, has anyone seen those, those cop shows? Um, I don't know, cops and cameras or something, when they have like this, this line and they like pull over a, a speeding driver and they get them to walk down a straight line and inevitably they're, they're, they're drunk and, you know, thing along that, that, that easy straight line. And, and that's a picture for us, I think, of what Paul is saying here, that so often in life, we, without being filled with the Spirit, without taking on board the power of God in our daily life, we, we're like these people who are trying to get in a trajectory, meandering, being blown by the currents of this world, uh, not being able to make our way, or we are trying to make our way in our own strength. And what God calls us to is not this, life, this new life, not to live in love, not to live in light in our own strength. Every single day to go, God, Holy Spirit, I need you. Would you fill me today and help me to work out these things? And that's really where, if you, were looking, if you get one of those Bible apps where you look at the book of Ephesians and you search spirit, if you do that, it will come up. It will, it will be, the whole book of Ephesians would be filled with the, with, with the presence Spirit in each of these situations, in each of these commandments that God has given us to walk in.
Corinthians 1.13, it says, the Holy Spirit seals us and guarantees us of our salvation. In Ephesians 1.17, it says, he is the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know and to love Jesus. In Ephesians 2.18 and 22, it says, the spirit brings us unity and as the church. In Ephesians 3.5, it says, he reveals the mysteries of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 3.16, it says, he strengthens our inner beings so that we can comprehend the immensity of God's love in Christ, how high, how deep, how wide God's love is. Do you know, uh, this, this struck me so hard this week. You cannot know God's love. We were once dead in our sins. We, we didn't even care about this. You go and tell your friends in this, in that God loves you. Um, we hope that would make an impact. But without the Spirit's power, we can't comprehend it. Without the Spirit's strength in our inner being, we can't grasp how high and how wide and how deep and how strong that love is for us. So my friends, if you're feeling like, does God love me? I, I implore you, um, ask God to show him how much he loves you. Ask God to show him, and he'll give you that strength to know it, and that will work out in your day-to-day life. That's so important. God's Spirit gives us strength in our inner beings to comprehend the immensity of his love. Ephesians 4.3, it says, he is the spirit of peace. Ephesians 6.17, he is the sword of the Spirit that you take on your journey with you, the Word of God applied to everyday life. So my friends, when we talk about living this walk of this life, please, would I implore you, walk in the Spirit. Take joy in Him. Invite Him in every single day. We have a life, that is worth, we have a life to live that is to be worthy of the calling that Christ has brought for us. And I pray that as this, uh, these difficult times continue, that we, as we choose to live in the Spirit, that we would, again, at one point in time, be able to look each other in the face and see how far we have come through this difficult period. And see how God has brought you through, you know, the difficulties of life. Because his spirit has been with you. And he'll be able to take you through your, your failures and your fears. And the places where have been hard. And you'll be able to look each other in the eyes and say, God has worked in you still. And we're able to celebrate that together. So church, would you just... Would you just stand with me? And I just want you again, just look at each other. Take a look around at each other. And I just want us to, just behind our mask, I want us to speak a blessing on each one of us in this place. I'm just going to say those, those few things. I want to say that God bless you in your walk of new life. God bless you in your walk of love. God bless you in your walk of light. And God bless you as you're filled with the Spirit. And I just want to say that together to each other. Because that's what it means to be part of a community, to bless each other in that way. So would you join me? God bless you in your walk of new life. God bless you in your walk of love. God bless you in your walk of light. And be, God bless you as you're filled with the Spirit. And Father, I pray for my friends this morning, as just as we look at each other, and just as we acknowledge, Lord, the work that you've done in our lives, we're so thankful to you, Lord Jesus. You've rescued us. You've taken us, Lord, from the depths and the darkness, and you've placed us into light. And I pray, God, as we live out this life, we would live a life worthy of your calling. 
Strengthen us, we pray, through your Holy Spirit, and show us, Lord God, what it means to walk in new life, in love, in light, and with your Spirit with us. And I pray for any of my friends here and at home as well who just need a fresh sense of your Spirit's presence right now. We just want to ask, Lord Jesus, that you would send your Holy Spirit. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to fill us again. We just have our hands open and ask God for you to take your place, take your rightful place. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and ask God that you would go with us. We give you space. We give you every area of our lives and ask you, Lord God, to teach us, Lord, how to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.